today, Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 6, and then put a thumb in that. We'll go to two passages, and then we're going to go to Luke chapter 8. So Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and then Luke chapter 8 and verse 22. I like to start with something funny. I, I heard this funny story about a guy. He was in a restaurant. It was kind of dark in this restaurant, and uh, he couldn't see real well. And he was just in a good mood, and he was kind of, you know, sitting there by himself. And he saw this nice-looking blonde girl sitting at a table next to him, this lady. And he said, hey, would you like to hear a blonde joke? He was just being, you know, friendly. And she really wasn't in the mood. And uh, she said, well, before you tell that joke, that blonde joke, sir, uh, you might want to know that I'm six foot one. And I am a world champion bodybuilder. And uh, she said, and if that isn't enough for you, she said, the, the gal that's sitting next to me, my best friend in the whole world, she's six foot two, and she's a world champion wrestler. And she said, and if that, not to be outdone, she said, our other best friend that's at this table, it's kind of dark, you can't see, other than the color of our hair. She said, she's six foot three, and she's a kickboxing champion of the world. Now, let me ask you a question, sir. Do you still want to tell that blonde joke to us? And he thought about it a minute, and he said, well, not really, not if I have to explain it three times. <laughs> Pray for me. I may need a ride home today after church, okay? <laughs> Praise God. Okay. All right. Don't take offense, please. We're living in a world you have to ask people not to take offense over, like, everything these days, you know? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm not really, but I am. Uh, anyway, <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Philippians chapter 4. I want to talk to you, and I was seeking God. And I'll tell you, when you have extra meetings and a lot of extra ongoings on top of a, of a busy schedule and all that this church is doing, feeding the multitudes or whatever, and a lot of stuff. They had a women's gathering here yesterday that was just packed. Had a great women's brunch and uh, encouraging testimony, uh, you know, by Melissa Myers there, like, you have to, as a pat, I just say this because I know there are young, a lot of young men and young uh, ladies here that feel the call of God on their life and, and they want to be in full-time ministry. Let me just clarify the word full-time ministry. First of all, if you're born again, you're in full-time ministry. It don't matter if you're a truck driver or you print baseball cards or whatever you do, uh, you do it to the glory of God. Amen? And you're to be a witness. So full-time ministry, sometimes we Americanize these little things that we say. But, you know, I just want to say that uh, as a man of God, you have to sometimes fight even extra hard when you're in meetings like that because you have to say, okay, God, what are you saying to me? How do you prepare messages? What are you saying to me about this house? Listen, this word for today. So this is a word for, of the Lord for you today. So you receive that personally. Amen. And so what I felt like the God has said to me, and I said, Lord, what is the biggest thing that people are struggling with right now? And I felt like the Lord said to me, anxiety. Does it does think we have the right message? Yeah. And anxiety, you could call it, uh, actually anxiety is a type of fear uh, clinically. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it involves worry. How many know some people uh, are world champion worriers? You know anybody like that? Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, Papa Hagen, you know, he... He was born with a very rare illness, and he, was, he literally was bedridden almost his entire childhood and into his teen years. 
And he said, I, they asked him, did you worry? And he said, no. He said, I never worried. And the reason I never worried, because my mother and my grandmother were world champion warriors. You know anybody like that? They get an A-plus in worrying. They do enough worrying for a whole church full of people. So, you know, I was reading, <laughs> I was reading Lester Summerall, and he was saying uh, about fear. By the way, you can get almost all of his books, have Dominion Over Fear. You can get almost all of his books on PDF, so you don't, have to buy, you don't even have to buy the book. I mean, I like a hardcover book, but you can read it on your phone. You just Google it, you know. And he was saying that uh, he knew a businessman that went through the Great Depression. And he said the businessman's banker called him. He says, I am really worried that you're not going to be able to make your loan payments. I'm really worried. And he went on and on like that about you. And, and he said, and the banker said, listen, you don't seem like you're very worried. You don't seem like you're very upset. And he said, why aren't you worrying like me? He said, I figured you're doing enough worrying for the both of us. <laughs> How many know you don't have to worry? Jesus said worrying does not add one single day to your life. Truth be known for a lot of people, um, because worry, anxiety, fear leads to all kinds of physical illnesses. How many of you know that? Heart attacks and... Oh, my goodness, the list is endless. So we want to talk about that today and, and not just talk about the prescription for anxiety is what I've called this if you're taking notes. But let's go to the word Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. By the way, we had Veterans Day on Wednesday, on November 11th, as we honor our veterans every day, but especially on that day. And if um, many of you probably weren't here, so can I just take a minute and uh, ask those of you that have served in the... Uh, in the military, uh, would you please stand so we can honor you this morning? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for serving. We, we honor uh, you men and, and women that have faithfully served and protected our country. Amen. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. The King James says, be anxious for nothing. So anxious comes from, leads to anxiety. Got it? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now go to Luke chapter 8, if you would. That's the second passage. Luke chapter 8 and verse 22. I want to welcome everybody watching online. Luke 8 and verse 22. This is the wind and the waves that obey Jesus. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over. Take special note to that. Let us cross over the other side of the lake and they launched out, but as, as they sailed, he, meaning Jesus, fell asleep. And a windstorm came up, came down on the lake, and they were filling, the boat was filling with water, and they were in jeopardy. Not the game jeopardy, but they were in, like, great peril. By the way, if you've ever been out in the Sea of Galilee, um, Hannah could tell you this from being from Israel. It's a place that can be calm one minute, and it can turn into uh, violent swales of water the, the very next. The thunder comes, uh, the lightning starts striking, the wind starts kicking up, just exactly what's happening in this story. I've been on the Sea of Galilee in a wooden boat four times. 
thank God each time it was, it was smooth sailing. Um, but they weren't smooth sailing. They were in jeopardy. They're in a major storm, folks. And Jesus is asleep, the Bible said, in the back of the boat, in the stern. And so, verse 24, and they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are all perishing. And then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging water. He rebuked the storm. Think about that. He said in the original, peace, be still. And when it ceased and there was a calm, Jesus looked at them and said, O ye of little faith, or where is your faith? You ever had to ask that question? When the storms of life are raging, when the coronavirus or whatever is supposedly spiking or something, when you're not sure who's going to be the next president, when there's wars and rumors of wars and floods and earthquakes and all that stuff, have you ever had to ask yourself that question when you get filled with anxiety? Where's my faith at? Or maybe you've seen it in other people who you respected and looked up to. You said, man, where's your faith? You know? And so he asked them, where is your faith? Where's your faith at today? Is our faith in government? Is our faith in politics? Is our faith... Listen, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Needless to say, things have been shaken in a big way. Folks, the financial systems have been shaken. The healthcare system has been shaken. The government has been shaken. And no matter what happens out there, we have to be careful it doesn't get in here. In our hearts, amen? And that's what I want to talk to you about. What's the prescription when you have anxiety, when you have fear? And trust me, we've all had it. I'll I'll prove that in just a minute. And so... Here's the thing. They didn't even recognize who they had on board with them. Let me ask you a question. Do you recognize who you have on board with you today? Now, we know Jesus personally if you're born again. But you have to realize when you start that feeling of anxiety or depression or worry or fear, the Bible said that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, that of love, and that of a sound mind. Amen? There's so many things today to be concerned about. They want us to be concerned about everything. Even before, you know, COVID-19, the world has constantly been telling us we need to be worried about this. We need to be worried about that. You know, and the Bible says be anxious for nothing. I don't care how holy you are. I promise you, you've broken that command. (laughs) If you've ever looked in the mirror and said, oh, my gosh, I've got gray hair. (laughs) You see what I mean? It can cause anxiety. If you've ever looked in the mirror and said, oh, my gosh, is that another wrinkle? (laughs) If you've ever said, as a young person, maybe a young lady would say, I hope to God I get married. All my friends are getting married. And they pray and pray and pray that man in. Careful what you ask for. And then after they're married, they try to pray that guy away for a while. Amen? (laughs) Come on. You know it's true. Or you're still human. So there's anxiety. And then then the world tries to tell you you need to have a pill. How many know there's a pill for every ill? Some of you have got happy pills in your pocketbook today. (laughs) Think about it. We take pills to to get out of bed in the morning. 
Some of us take pills to go to sleep at night. We can't sleep without taking pills. And some of us take pills to even before we eat so we can digest our food. You know, and I understand there's people that need to take pills. I'm not saying everybody, you know, don't categorize it, but understand that how many know we can get off in extremes if we're not careful? And the pharmaceutical companies rule the land here, folks. This is all before COVID. Amen? You know this is true. And then how about the side effects? You know, they, they show these like, you know, butterflies flying or these beautiful scenes and you'll be so happy and they're playing this beautiful happy music you know you know family going on a picnic with a basket and the, it's got the golden retriever there and everybody's just happy because they've bought these pills <laughs> and then they rattle off all these side effects that like you would have to slow down the tape like eight times to even understand what they're saying <laughs> right am I telling the truth and so I want to talk to you about what the prescription should look like for anxiety. Okay? Here's the first one. The Word of God. God's Word is the antidote for anxiety. Can you say amen? amen? Psalm 119 and 105, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And there's no side effects. I, listen. These, some of these side effects, they'll say, causes bleeding to come out of your ear. Are you serious? I would rather have this. I would rather be shaken than take that pill and have blood coming out of my eyeball. Be, be anxious for nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Yeah. Be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplications, okay? And thanksgiving... Let your request be made known to the Lord. Amen? Amen. So Paul's writing this. It's not like he's, he's living a, a posh, cushy life, like he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, with, with not a care in the world. He's actually got chains around his wrist, naked in a cold, damp, dank Roman prison when he writes this letter. And the whole theme of the book, by the way, is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Amen? Amen? So you have a choice to rejoice. You've got to make a choice not to be filled up with anxiety. And it starts with God's Word. The Bible said that the Word of God is even above the name of God. So the question is, how much time do you spend in this book every day? It's really a matter of this, where you spend your time. Amen? So the Word of God. Be anxious for nothing, but with prayer. Listen, let me just say this to you. Here's the second point. Prayer is, this, is the other prescription. The additional the prescription. They go hand in hand, by the way, right? The Word of God prayer. I know it's basic, but it's true. We have no shortage of church people. We've got mega churches in this country. That's not wrong, by the way. That's actually in the book of Acts. If you do the math, you'll find that the first church had 100,000 members, larger than any church on, uh, today in the U.S., by the way. Largest one here is like 42,000. Um, but there was only 200,000 in the city of Jerusalem. Think about that. They met in two locations, 50,000 in each. That's a mega church, folks. We have no shortage today of church people. But let me tell you what we do have a shortage of, prayer warriors. In fact, everybody go like this just for a minute. Let's put our hands together. What does this sign mean? Praying. So people say, you know, please pray for me. I need prayer. And we hit that. And I do it too. We hit that little emoji, little prayer, praying hands. But are we really praying? 
I happen to believe if we're praying that a lot of the chaos would come to an end. Amen. So really, if you think about it, the problem isn't with the world, it's with the church. Ooh, did I say that? Let me take that back. Oh, too late. Sorry. How many know we need to pray? Let me just say it like this. Our grandparents didn't take uh, bag, plastic bags full of pills every day. They didn't take pills to go to bed. I don't remember my grandma, you know, taking pills to go to bed, taking pills to get out of bed, and taking pills to digest their food. They had this little thing called prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. This is what I came up on. <laughs> what a friend we have in Jesus. I may remember that song. And then I had this second verse went and said, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All oh, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Amen? A good friend of mine, he, he'd made an arrangement a few years ago in the revival in Brownsville. Lindell, you know him. He's been here. And he added to it. And this was another prayer song. Leave it there. That's the old timers used to sing. Leave it there. Like the altar. Take your burden to the Lord. Leave it there. Watch. If you trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Amen? Amen? Amen. Through prayer. The Word of God in prayer. I know it sounds so simple. That's why Paul said, Brother, and I wish you not to depart from the simplicity of the gospel. Simplicity, simplicity. It's simple. It's elementary, my dear Watson, but we sometimes get, make it more complicated than what it needs to be. If we just spend time in God's Word, it will light up the darkness. Amen? Because you put the light in me. Amen? Amen? Praise God. The Word, prayer. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, men should always pray and not faint. He told them this parable. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16, rejoice always. Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica. Pray without ceasing. Man, how in the world am I supposed to pray without ceasing, Pastor? I got, a, I got work to do. I can't just sit around and pray all day long. Are you kidding me? I got to punch that clock. You know, I, you know, I, 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 I work a job from 9 to 5. I'm not like you preachers. Listen, you can pray too. Do you realize I used to, I've always worked, folks. I will always work. If it's the last thing I'll do, I'll work and serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. And, you know, like I, I'm not saying this boastfully. A man should work. Or just sit home and rely on the government to pay all your bills. and It's called socialism. Anyway. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, okay, yeah. So I always worked a job. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I always worked a job. I used to swing shifts. And I did it for almost 16 years. That's how I raised my family, by the grace of God. Amen? You know... We built our home, and, and we carved out a life for ourselves long before I was ever in ministry. And I, before that, I was scrubbing dishes over here at the old Gold Eagle Diner and delivering papers and raking leaves in the fall and shoveling walks, you know. 
right? How many remember the grit paper, by the way? Any? You got to go way back there. Look at you guys. That's back there with S&H green stamps. Remember them? <laughs> they have a little book, you know, you cash it in, you get a little flashlight or something, you know, put it on the end of your bike with some duct tape, you know. <laughs> but listen, we've got we've to rely on God in these times. Our faith is not in the government. It's not in the world. It's not in the election. It's not in the Dr. Fauci, you know. Okay? Pray, pray, pray. Have you asked the Lord to calm the storm out there? This is in your Bible, right? I know I'm parking on it for a little bit, but I want it to really sink in. We've got to pray. I got a text message yesterday from um, Susie Lisneski, who's one of our intercessors. They have intercessory prayer on Monday night. They have it on Thursday mornings here. We pray all week long. And she said, she sent me, you know, she, she'll send me, like, this is what God's put on my heart. I'm praying for you. She knew we had that funeral yesterday, man. And it was, it was, uh, it's not easy when somebody's 20 years old. And I mean, the guy was in good health and all of a sudden he got, you know, leukemia. And for 12 months he battled leukemia. And even the doctors thought he'd come out of it and he didn't come out. He didn't make it. And we prayed for healing and it didn't happen. But you know what I know? The most important thing was he stood right there and gave his heart to Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? Because of prayer. You know. So we've got to pray. We've got to, we've got to pray, church. We have to be praying about what's going on. And I don't mean praying like straining, like, oh, God, why won't you answer my prayer? You know, there's a fellowship that takes place with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Can you imagine, like, we have a relationship, Jesus and I, you and Jesus, right? We're born again. Can you imagine if, like, my wife and I have been married for, like, 31 plus years now. Can you imagine if I, if I went home, like, you know, after being here or something, and I was like, oh, Becky, I really just love you. <laughs> Made all kind of, she'd be like, what is the matter with you? <laughs> you know, be happy, will you? Amen. The joy of the Lord's my strength. Amen. Praise God. Some of us are, like, you know, like anxiety, okay? We get, like, filled up with this stuff. Pray, pray, pray. Ask the Lord to calm the storm. Ask him to stop the whatever, the virus, and heal the sick, protect our families and loved ones, and turn our nations back to him. What an opportunity to pray. Here's the third one, prescription. Start utilizing the mind of Christ instead of your own mind. Can you say amen? amen. I want to say this to you. Powerful thoughts lead to powerful living. Thoughts produce either energy power, strength, anointing, or they produce negativity, they're draining, debilitating, and lead straight to depression. The choice is what you focus on. 1 Corinthians 2.16, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but, Paul said, listen, but we have the mind of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Woo, we have the mind of Christ. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10.5. You say, well, what do I do when I start to get filled with anxiety and fear and worry and, and, I, and I, I don't, I'm so uncertain I might lose my job and suppose this happens and, and suppose the storm keeps raging and the water keeps coming in the boat. What do I do? What do I do? You take into captivity those imaginations that exalt themselves against the name of Jesus Christ and you make them bow to the obedience of Christ. That's what you do. You take the authority of the believer that God has given you that he paid for at the cross by sending his son to die for you and to shed his life's blood to bleed out for you. But you've got to walk in that authority. Some of us are just like spiritual, like weaklings. 
2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations. When you get that thought, cast it down. Just because you have an open mind doesn't mean that you have to allow everybody to put their junk in it. <laughs> Some of us are like, again, world champion warriors, you know. You heard about this guy and his wife. They're married for like 30 years. Every night... She was so fearful that someone's going to break in the house. They lived in an old, you know, two-story home. She'd say, go downstairs and check. I think I heard somebody in the house. So, you know, he's a good husband, you know, a good man. So he'd go down. And by the way, the man's called to be the protector of the house. Amen. Prophet. Amen. Prophet. Priest. Protector. Provider. And so every night. She was like a worry wart. You know anybody that's a worry wart? They worry all the time. They bring most problems on themselves with their mouth and their thoughts. I mean, it's true. Most people bring most problems on themselves by their thinking. They get their mind going, oh my God, I'm just worried, worried, worried. And all of a sudden they start, maybe I better call this person. And say, no, just shut up. Is that okay? I'm sorry, it's not sanctified. Just be quiet. Please, would you be quiet? No, just zip it. You ever meet anybody like that? They're like the, you know, the, the rudder on a ship. James 3, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, amen? They set a forest on fire with a little match. Look at California out there. I mean, like 178,000 acres, man, just burning like out of control. Because one guy flipped a cigarette at a, at a campsite. That's what our tongue does, you know? So this couple... In our mind, in our mind, and just go, it all starts here. She started getting all nervous. She said, please, get downstairs. I think I heard somebody. So he just, you know, it was like a routine. He'd just get up, okay, okay. So he'd go downstairs, and, you know, he'd look around, and doors are locked. No problem. How many know truth be told? Amen. Married men I'm talking to now that probably, after the first few years of doing that, he could say, okay, yes, dear. He'd probably go down and just sit on the bottom step for a little while. <laughs> You're laughing because you know it's true. Right? He'd probably pull out his phone and see. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'll check there. It's a coast is clear. 30 years this took place. 30 years. One night, she said, I think I heard something. So he goes down. He goes down the bottom of the steps. He turns. He's looking right at the barrel of a gun. And the thief says, Barely above a whisper. Hand over your valuables. No one will get hurt. So he said, okay. So he got the valuables. He came back. He handed them to the man with the gun. And the man started to leave. And he said, hold on a second. He said, before you leave, I want you to meet my wife. She's been expecting you for 30 years. Because your mind is so powerful, how many know you'll get what you expect? It's the power of, of expectancy. And some people, like, don't, they don't expect things to ever get any better out there. They don't expect, oh my gosh, it's terrible, what's happening, you know? You know and, and they live right there. It's almost like they're, do you know fear actually is an addiction? Look at, our grandparents did not worry like this. My gosh, we're in a culture now that, again, everybody's right on edge. Have you noticed this? 
People are ready to snap out it like if they didn't get like a, the, the extra penny back and the change at the market. I mean, what in the world is going on, folks? It's anxiety. Worried about the future, you know. For what? what, what what's going to happen? What are they going to do? Are they going to kill us? It's a shortcut. It's a shortcut. If you believe the Bible, it's a shortcut. I'm not talking about jumping out of a plane without an air, uh, you know, a parachute. But we're talking about simple, like, 101 faith. Amen. Jesus said, Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, be it done unto you. What are you thinking on? You need to start thinking about what you're thinking about. Only you and you only are the steward of your thought life. Can you say amen? amen. Here's the fourth way. Share your faith. That's a great antidote. Share your faith. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Go you therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is such an opportunity for us to live missionally. Like unlike ever in our lifetime before. Do we have an opportunity to win souls? Amen. It's a matter of perspective. People never turn to God when everything is just going perfect in their world. Can I just tell you, as a man of God and doing this like my entire life, like I know when people come to God, it's three T words, when they're in trouble, when they're in transition, or whether they're in some sort of transition of life, that's when they come looking for hope. When everything is perfect, there's no, there's no corona, the economy's rocking and rolling, everything is perfect, you know, everybody's happy, bills are paid, nobody but nobody looks to God then. Amen. Talk about unsaved and unchurched people. They don't, because they, they, what do they need God for? But just give it some time and let some trouble happen, and let me tell you, the phone starts ringing off the hook here, and the seats start filling up again. May I remind you of September 11, 2001. It was one day, one really bad day. But this thing is going on and on and on and on. Look at New York City. Has anybody been up there lately? I didn't think so. They call it Armageddon. They have pictures. Brother Tip was telling me he's got pictures on his phone of U-Haul trucks lined up as far as the eye can see. And what they would charge is $500 to, you know, $700 to, to rent a U-Haul for today for somebody to clean out their apartment in Manhattan in these places. It's $3,000. And they'll pay it just to get out of the city. Because they're scared to death. This is current events. So people look for hope. What an opportunity for the church to be the church. Or we could just shut it down and be scared like everybody else. No. Look, folks, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Amen? That was great this week. I had Brother Tiff was with us, and he said, you know, he goes, I haven't seen my son Jonathan in a while. And he said, he's ministering a couple hours from here. He said, would you like to get together for lunch with the boys? I said, let's do it. So we went for lunch. You know what we did the whole time for like two hours? We just laughed. We had a great time. The, by, by the way, the Bible says if you need, I, can, I always feel like i got to get verses to legalize everything I say here. So <laughs> you never know who's watching. Somebody will write me something, you know. You can't have fun as a Christian. Okay, well, let me send you, a, here's a scripture for that, you know. Laughter is like, a merry heart is like medicine for the soul. The joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8, is our strength. 
The opposite of strength is weakness. If you don't have joy, you have sadness and anxiety. Amen? Amen. So share your faith. I had an opportunity yesterday. Uh, a guy who's a very accomplished uh, business guy, a professional guy, and he's, he came to Heaven's Gates. Heaven's Gates, we had 150 people come forward to receive Jesus. Can somebody say, if that's not revival, I'm telling you what. My goodness. I mean, really. Can I tell you, Brother Tiff, he, he, when we walked out the door Sunday at 11 a.m. to go get lunch, we'd be back for the, seven, you know, the night service and a week of meetings. He said to me, literally, I know who else is with us. Uh, I don't know if you were with us, Kyle, or somebody, but Tiff said to me, there is, he stopped just like this. He said, and let me tell you, Tiff, he's a man who says what he means and means what he says. He's a real deal. He's coming here 40 years, right? He said, there is such a, this is what he said, there is a real spirit of revival in this church. And this is what he followed up by saying, I don't just say that. I'm in thousands of churches around the world, 56 countries. He said, this church, he's preaching, and people are standing right up, clapping, cheering God. You know, we have altar calls here. What am I saying? When there's anxiety and when there's trouble like we're living in, this is such a window of opportunity for the church to be the church. Can somebody say praise God? Praise God. Amen. Amen. Share your faith. So I had this man come to me yesterday. He said, can I meet with you? I said, sure. He's, you know, good guy. And I've been building some relationship with him. He's actually a banker and things. And deals with millions and millions of dollars of assets in the secular world. He and his wife came to Heaven's Gates and set up in the balcony. And I asked him, this was, you know, what was that, a month ago now? I texted him. I said, what would you think? He said, well, I have some questions. So I said, okay. I think I got some answers. We, I think we have a match. So he came in yesterday, and he said, can I? I said, sure. So we had coffee. We sat down and spent some time together. Saturday morning is like my crunch time here. I try to really get along with Jesus. But how many know I, that things happen by divine appointment? Amen. So I made lots of time. And he said, well, when I watched the scenes at Heaven's Gates, how many of you saw Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames? Okay, so most of you saw this. So it's, it's, a, it's a production about real life. And when people, you know, go to heaven or hell. And he said, well, I'm going to ask you a question. There's a mother in that scene that gets separated from her daughter. And you can't tell me because she was too busy that she and her daughter loved Jesus, but she really was too busy for God and for church and everything. You know, remember she had the shopping bags. That she, that she goes to hell and she's separated from her daughter. And he just looked at me. He said, you know, you can't tell me that. I said, yes, I can. I can. You know why? Because God's word says it. And he said, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm dead serious. Serious as a heart attack. And he said, well, what about these people that, like, are you going to tell me that people that aren't born again Christians are not going to heaven? I said, absolutely, I'm telling you that. What about Muslims? I said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father except through me. Except through Jesus. Every false religion, I'm not saying they're bad people, okay? But every false religion, the bones of their so called God, little g God, are still in their graves. Amen. And then he asked me a really tough question, which I had no problem answering. He said, What about the terrorist? that flew on September 11th, flew a plane in, into those buildings. You, are you trying to tell me that 
And it wasn't like in that tone, but he was like taken back by this. He's like, I'm Catholic. I went through parochial school. I went through, you know, hit over the, the knuckles with a round, anybody ever, like that, you know, soap in the mouth or whatever. He said, I went through confirmation. I'm just, are you trying to tell me that that guy that flew that plane into that building, that if at the last 20 seconds of his life, while that plane was going like a rocket into the first tower on September 11th, if he said, Jesus Christ, I, I have sinned against you and against humanity. I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. Take away my sin. He said, are you trying to tell me that when he died, he'd wake up in heaven? I said, absolutely. He said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, no, I'm dead serious. He said, is there a place in the Bible? You know, how many know a lot of people are experts in religion, but they don't know the Bible? Amen. <laughs> and I just really enjoy this dialogue. Like, I really do, folks. I'm not, not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a, I'm a believer. Yeah. Amen? So I said, yeah. You mean to tell me the last few seconds of a person's life, they could be the worst sinner in the world if they come and repent and receive forgiveness that God forgives them and he welcomes them into heaven? I said, absolutely. And, and I said, here's an example, the thief on the cross. Amen? I don't care if you're the worst mafioso guy. I don't care if you whack people for a living. There were two thieves that hung on the sides of Jesus. One who cursed him, who blasphemed him, probably spit on him like other people in the crowd. Cursed him to his dying breath. And on the other side, the thieves said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, I tell you the truth, the words of Christ, today you will be with me in paradise. There's hope. As long as a person's breathing, there's still hope. Amen? So we have this great opportunity to share our faith. And that, believe me, will keep anybody out of depression. That'll chase the anxiety and the fear and the, and the worry and all that right out the window where it belongs in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. So here's... here's Here's the last thing. I, I, there, I got some. I'm just, I'm going to get done here. The other way that we def kick off anxiety is we speak a word of faith over our lives. We speak faith, not fear, faith over our lives. Right? Speak a word of faith over your situation, over your health, over your finances, over your marriage, over what's happening in the world. Okay? Mark eleven twenty two. 22, Jesus replied to him, have faith in God. He said to the same group in the boat, hey, where's your faith at? Oh, ye of little faith, in Matthew's gospel. Where's your faith? You're shaking, you're crying. I was trying to take a nap and you woke me up, for goodness sakes, leave me alone. I had to get the storm, the wind, and the waves to be quiet and calm down so I could go back to, you know, I mean, no, he was probably tired. He was ministering to people. Amen. If you come to my house this afternoon, about 2.30, 3 o'clock, and you shake me and try to wake me up, I'm probably going to say, where is your faith? <laughs> Can't you just talk to God yourself? Everybody just go like this for a minute, would you please? What are we doing? Pray. You can do this. I promise you. You can be a winner, okay? God's no respecter of persons. Amen? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, hey, where's your faith at? I was sleeping. 
in the back of the boat, in the stern. I was relaxing. You guys are so, you're freaking out. He stood up. He spoke a word of faith. He said, peace be still. Let me tell you something, folks. Boats are not made to be in water. They're made to ride above the water. And here's the word that God gave me for you. Are you ready? This is it, and I'm done. In the beginning of Luke chapter 8 and verse 22, it said, Now it happened on a certain day that he, meaning Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, and here's what I want to say to you. I felt so strongly in the spirit to share this this morning. Let us cross over to the other side. Let us, in the middle of a pandemic or whatever you want to call it, cross over to the other side. We will reach the other side. Amen. We'll reach the other side. Amen. This country of ours alone, even people that don't know Jesus, have been through worse things than this. A whole lot worse. Like civil war worse. I don't see anybody shot in your front lawn out there. Anybody hanging from the gallows. Worship team, come back. Just look at, look at the history of this country. Revolutionary War, 1776. Spanish, English War, remember? 1812, the War of 1812. How about the Civil War? Fighting North and South. Talk about a divided country. We try to make it like, oh, we're so divided, they're gonna go to, we're not going to go to Civil War. Not if the church gets on or offer blessed assurance and starts to pray like we should. Can somebody say praise God if you believe it? Receive what God's trying to say to you here today. Amen? I mean, what do you do with the First World War? How about, how about the Spanish uh, flu in there? Amen. Praise God. Somebody got to call the ministry, right? What I was preaching. It's pretty good. Amen. Maybe God just put a little exclamation point on his word there. Tell him I'm busy. I'll call him back in a few minutes. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> anyway, think about it. We've been through a whole lot worse. First World War. That was hand-to-hand -hand combat. They weren't flying over in planes. They were fighting with bayonets and, and flamethrowers. How about the Second World War? We get attacked December 7th, 1941, at Pearl Harbor by the Japanese. A surprise attack killed how many thousands of our men and women? And, and what did FDR say? What did he say? The President of the United States. He said, we have nothing to fear. Listen, somebody. We have nothing to fear except fear itself. Where's your faith? I know. I'm, I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking to some other people, I guess, today, right? But that's what it is, folks. There's antidotes. They're all through the Word. It's so easy. How about this one? Now I'm going to ask Bonnie, would you lead us in a beautiful song? Would you come to the piano and listen to this? How about this one? Here's my favorite one. This is, my, this is the one that I automatically do first before even Scripture and pray. It's just, and I'm not saying that the one is better than the other, but my deal is I worship God. I'll say like, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Say, you just lift your hands. 
you get into the presence of the Lord. Amen. And if you, I'm telling you, you cannot worship and worry at the same time. It's impossible. Would you stand to your feet with us? Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of yourself listening and tag us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God. We'll see you next time. And remember, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.